Welcome to another North South uh, podcast, uh, and yeah, we're doing things a bit differently this time. Uh, it definitely is a, a podcast, uh, no video feeds, um, and yeah, we are one co-host down today uh, with Alistair not being available, unfortunately being called away for work, uh, but we're still very happy to have uh, Ben Karpinski uh, on to talk sport with us. Uh, we haven't been able to talk sport for quite a while. Uh, it's been quite uh, political-based, uh, so it's always nice to have a bit of a, a change-up. Um, so, yeah, thanks for coming on, Ben. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, Darren. And, yeah, if people don't know who you are, can you just maybe give them a brief, a brief little bio of yourself? Well, my name is Ben Karpinski. I started a Twitter account back in 2010 called at Follow the Bounce. And um, my dream was to just not have a shitty job, but more just to create sporting content and see how far I could take it. And uh, yeah, the last sort of eight, nine years have been pretty good. I, I work on the Gareth Cliff Show on Cliff Central. I do the sport there. So that's my podcasting base. I've been podcasting for probably about uh, six years now. Um, but I, well, predominantly, I, I was a writer. I uh, wrote for magazines and I started a blog called thebounce.co.za and from there I've just I've just been a sports guy I guess um, n- nothing more nothing less you know I've, I was never a journalist I was never formally trained I was never really cut out for like a, a real serious desk job either so I kind of found myself somewhere in the middle to the right to the left I don't know uh, but yeah I, I create sporting content essentially and I've been passionately doing it since that time to wait and like I said and uh, yeah, going from strength to strength, I've just actually opened a a sporting creative agency to kind of formalize what I do with some business partners. And now I make a lot of videos. So maybe it's just as well, this is just a podcast, not a video, because come Sunday, I look so bedraggled. I'm also pretty hungover today. So I'm actually happy my camera's not working. Well, yeah, that worked out pretty well for yourself. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, just when you did start that, that Twitter account and that, like what, what, made you start that like what got you into start thinking that this is what i want to do and this is going to work kind of thing well it was actually a strange time in my life i think i was i think i was breaking up from a toxic relationship that i was on again off again with um so i was putting very much my time into my work and twitter was like this new thing i didn't understand it i just thought it was crap i thought it was so lame and you know facebook was the only thing that was essentially social media bear in mind not so long before that people were migrating from myspace to facebook so the fact that anything else could ever live was quite something and um it was at the time where i kind of quit uh, the corporate world and i wanted to kind of make it as a sports writer uh, back then i didn't know what that was i actually thought maybe if, if i could just work for a magazine for the rest of my life i could be one of those guys you know saying that now makes me laugh but um yeah it was just one of those things i was working at an advertising agency it was the 20 uh two world cups ago 20 sorry sorry a cricket world cup so uh, that would be yeah the 2011 cricket world cup I started live tweeting matches and on the back of that of just calling it the way we would call it amongst friends, I started building a bit of a following and it was just such a cool medium in that it was so instant. Like you could have the live feed in front of you and then you would have the commentary. Uh, you know, people always said commentary is very dull and cliched. So here I was trying to kind of prove that there was another way of enjoying sports. And with that came that sort of so-called second, third screen kind of thing. Um, and just, you know, I was just fortunate that my timing was I was one of the first people kind of doing that. And on the basis of that, I was also writing a lot for my blog. So 
the two kind of went hand in hand. And then I got to a stage where I was developing a bit of a fan voice um, back when fans were starting to really have a voice, I guess. And then how do you like get inspiration? Because you are you are quite active on your blog and that, and you do cover quite a range of sports and that. Like, how do you start an article kind of thing? Where where do you find your inspiration to like write? Because uh, yeah, yeah, some people find it quite difficult to just write a article versus someone that's writing a number a week kind of thing. I guess. Um... Be confident and highly opinionated. <laughs> That's pretty much the combination you need to be. Uh, look at speaking of cricket World Cups. You know, like obviously as Proteus fans, we've um, we've had many many heartaches. And for me, like writing became a quite a therapeutic thing. Or actually, it was straight out therapy for the Proteus <laughs> concern. <laughs> yes, you need that. So, so I, I'm I'm a very curious person, and you know, living in Johannesburg, I grew up in Cape Town. Now living up here. I've been very fortunate to meet some incredible people and I've been exposed to you know all kinds of sporting people from the actual superstars all the way through to kind of journalists, um, people behind the scenes that make things tick in teams. And I've been very fortunate in that respect. So I always believe there's, there's amazing insights out there. And if you just think differently, you can always uncover something. And, you know, sports like sports entertainment, ultimately, it's like any other thing, you know, it's just like Game of Thrones, it's just like soap operas, all that kind of stuff, you get, you get stars, you get villains, you get heroes, you get plots, you get locations. And sport to me, it's just always captured my imagination. So I've got a kind of wild imagination at that. So you know, but more or less, most of my stuff was always humor based, because I always found sports so entertaining. And um, I just always flock to the sort of dark side and the, and the humor and trying to find things that are funny, even though sometimes it could offend people. So the inspiration was always there. I just thought there was always something to write about. There was always something to talk about. And I literally was that sort of stereotypical guy that if you saw me at a braai, you could talk to me for an hour about something. And um, I just, like, I'm, I'm not educated whatsoever. I, I think I've got a personal training diploma somewhere. Like, but basically, in, in school, I, I played sports and... I, I got through barely. I didn't go to university. Nothing stuck in my mind. Not that I was I was dim or anything. I was never studious. So sport, though, I mean, it always stuck. I always knew what was going on. I understood what was going on in across the codes. And with that, I had something to talk about, I guess. And then speaking of school and sports and that, did you what what kind of sports did you play while you were in like high school and that? Uh, is that where your passion for like sports like began? Yeah, well, look, I was the youngest of four kids, so to avoid getting beaten up often, I would have to be quite good at sports. So, you know, rather be beaten up by brothers, I would say, let's rather play cricket or rugby. So being tackled every day or being bowled and hit, hit in the head with this taped-up tennis ball was better than the fist, I guess. <laughs> so I, I played everything from a young age. I love cricket, I love rugby. I went to one of the traditional boys' schools where literally sport came first, second, and third. Uh, education was fourth, and if you were anyway culturally inclined, then you got a wedgie. So, it, it, again, like just it was always around me. Um, then I started to play golf, and then that became my only sport. It really was, and I was pretty good at it. I I was the first team captain. I made my provincial team, and then sort of by the age of sixteen, I discovered chicks and booze. Uh, so, so so golf kind of went out the window. My last year, I played rugby again. I. By that stage, I obviously wasn't quite as developed as I could have been. So I captained the third team of Weinberg Boys High School. Very proud team. We were absolutely shite, but we played with a lot of heart. Uh, we, didn't really, we didn't really have a coach because our coach at the time was the first team cricket coach and they were going to a tour of England. So he never wanted to get sick if it rained. So he was never around. 
So I was a I was actually a player coach, and um, yeah, it, it was just so great to play play school sports. And again, like the banter and the the camaraderie and the friendships that you make from team sports. And again, it was just always talking about stuff. And yeah, I guess it's a very long answer, but yeah, I've I've, I've played pretty much everything, and I've loved it all the time. And yeah, speaking of golf, I do see that quite often come up on your Instagram or articles or even on your, your morning sports that you do on Cliff Central. Um, golf is, is quite uh, a cornerstone. Um, do you ever dream of becoming a professional <laughs> or have you? Yeah, it's, maybe maybe that's one thing I regret in life. Uh yeah. Look, the thing about being a professional is that you don't have a life. You you tour, you're constantly on the road. It's very hard. It's very dedicated. But then I look at what I do or what anybody does at any high level, and that's exactly what life is. So, yeah, I think if I could take my youth back, I probably would have put my head down and tried harder in golf. It is a really cool sport, and you, you get to travel. I mean, in many ways, like, I, I envy the guy who's like 75th in the world because he's a multimillionaire. No one knows who the hell he is. He travels the world and he could either be a very successful gigolo or just, you know, well, well traveled man. I keep, I keep. Ben, I think your mic has been uh, muted. Google Hangouts, not my favorite. Okay, anyway. there we go. <laughs> Uh, sorry, I was just um, I was tangenting, and I was saying that yeah, like golf would have been so great, but no, it's it, it's such a tough game mentally as well. Um, so I, I don't know, maybe I wouldn't have had the head for it. I think I think too much, but I, I do love the sport. And if I had lots more money, I would probably just do that. I'd only focus on golf because it's just so much more than the sport to be. I think it's it's travel, it's it's a lifestyle. My best friends play golf. Um, people I admire most in this world play golf. It's it's just a really cool thing. Yeah. And um, maybe trying to shift it a bit towards uh, cricket. Uh, that's probably my 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 true love uh, when it comes to sport. Um, and yeah, the Cricket World Cup is beginning or this week, this coming week with obviously South Africa and England are taking place on Thursday and the warm-up games are taking place already. Mm-hmm. Um, South Africa game got rained out today uh but it seemed like they had a, a pretty good start and then they beat Sri Lanka I think it was on Friday or Thursday last week yeah um so yeah do you have any initial thoughts on the on the team that we're taking what are what are your hopes for the Proteas going into this one well I think I can finally say the Proteas are overwhelming favorites to win this one I mean if there was ever <laughs> If there was ever a team that was due anything, like the rain has screwed us every single time. We're now playing in the country of rain. Um, you know, there's just so much scar tissue. There's just so much hurt. There's just so much trauma. That's if we don't win this, then then the, the cricketing gods definitely have something against us, and, and we must do an exorcism. You know, like I, I think there's there's four or five teams that are really good, and you look at them on paper and you think that's amazing. But as we all know, in World Cups, it's about having a good day at the right time, and a bad day at the wrong time can obviously cost your entire thing. So I think we've definitely got a good enough team. And uh, if I were to be, what's the word, esoteric or spiritual or whatever, I really think that on the basis of that alone, we should win this thing pretty easily. Yeah, it's uh, yeah from. Well, my perspective, like the last World Cup, I really thought that that was our strongest side we've ever taken to a World Cup in a while. And that was like our best 
best chance and then yeah obviously things didn't work out in the end again yeah probably getting beaten just uh by the better side um yeah i think new zealand were really really uh top top of their game uh in that world cup um but this year i'm quite hopeful with so yeah the youth that are that have come in like like the Quinton de Kock and Aidan Markram and you've got Rodalbo and Ngidi and that. So guys that really haven't uh, been to a World Cup before or kind of had that uh, pressure of, of the C word uh, hanging over them for uh, a while. So Yeah, I think also if you look at that team, I mean, you mentioned some key names there. Like these are different kinds of players that we've taken before. You know, these are the guys who are, let's be honest, they're multimillionaires now. They've played, they've played IPL. They've um, they've done a variety of things that make them global superstars, you know, socially and professionally. I think these guys have lived a life. Whereas in the past, the Cricket World Cup used to be the pinnacle. It used to be the everything. And the reason why our guys choke so much is because, you know, it's like it's like trying to ask like the hottest chick you know out when you're in high school. You put everything onto that. And then by the time it comes around, you're a bumbling mess and you're stuttering and you're stammering and you're sweating. Whereas, you know, if Quinton de Kock doesn't win this World Cup, I don't think he'll give two shits. He really won't. It won't hit home. If um, if Rabada doesn't win this World Cup, he'll be like, oh, well, I'm 24 and I'm the world's best bowler. So I think there's a lot of, like a much better sort of mental space for a lot of this team. Obviously, it means a lot to Fuff. He's one of the older guys. But otherwise, yeah, I, th- I think we've got a bunch of guys that are actually going to go in there. They're going to roll the dice. And um, I-, I feel I feel quietly confident. I know every World Cup, I've always been quite pos- like positive about this kind of stuff. But I don't even believe I can jinx the guys anymore. I just think we've got a really good mixture of players. And again, like I'm the, like he's got bigger things to worry about. He's got this property development in the north coast of KZN. He's got family stuff to worry about. Like this won't bother the guys as much as previous times have. And I think with that happened, it will be it will be a really good thing for them. Yeah, I'm I'm not as confident, so I'm really keeping my uh positivity yeah positivity under control at the moment um because i don't want uh more heartache um but we'll see yeah. as the first couple games go well you gotta toughen up there darren that's the whole thing about life you gotta you, if you're not throwing your heart out there you're not living i guess so that's quite true um but yeah speaking of hashim amla uh his form uh, in the t20 series in south africa before coming out to the UK was quite terrible. Uh, he didn't really amass any kind of form or runs uh, in, in there. But since yeah, the last two warm-up games, he's both, both innings he scored over 50. Uh, it's too early to say that he's maybe in a bit of form, regained a bit of form. I, th- I think with Hash, he just he, like he's the kind of guy that just uh, clicks. I know whenever people try to talk about form, they always resort to cliches because it's probably the most impossible thing to talk about because yeah. there's no th- like there's no science behind form. It isn't like well, you must hit 37 cover drives and then you'll be in form. So I, I just think with him is that he knows he, he's got a lot of self belief. Has Hash? Look at his career. People obviously you know laughed about the fact that he. He had this strange style and he's, he was all over the place at the crease and he wasn't still enough. He was on the move. You know, and then there was the whole, like, that guy's got self-belief. He's got a lot of self-belief and he's got a lot of sort of, like, strength that I think a lot of players can never, ever have, no matter the experience or temperament. So he just needs to know that he can put bat and ball in that Proteus jersey. And I reckon with him, it'll, it'll happen a lot quicker than someone who's more of a technical player. And what are some of the other players, like, that you are looking 
forward to watching? Like, who do you think is going to be a standout performer for for the side? Well, as you mentioned, Quinton de Kock, I think he's a, he's one of those generational players, and that's he is so special, and he's quite difficult to bowl to because he doesn't. Uh, like he's got balls, you know, he's a guy who will try hit a six over the slips or, you know, he'll use his feet to the spinners and he's not, not scared of that new ball. So I think he's obviously special. I think Rusty Fenderson, when I started watching him at the Mzanzi Super League, there, I, th- I felt there was something quite special there. And the fact that he's he's not exactly young, you know, he's gone through the journeyman days. He suddenly got this, this big chance. Um, he just seems like a big player to me. He really does. So you know, you've got players like that, this Fuff, Fuff's Fuff, you know, it doesn't have AB around. There's no shadow for him anymore. He is exceptional. David Miller's a, a big concern for me. Um, I think now that they've given him the, the the backup keeping role also hasn't helped. But there's a guy, again, like it's just there's so much talent there. Um, JP Dumini is another guy that I'm actually quite excited to see play. There's a guy who's taken a lot of shit from fans. People say that he's over it, and you know he's a token token player because he scored 166 in a Test match in Melbourne 35 years ago. That he's in the protest for life. And look, I've been one of those guys who have given him a bit of shit online. Uh, but he's again, he, he come he's come back. He's shown what he's what he's made of. I think there's some real quality there. Uh, in the bowlers, uh, I think our bowling attack is great. You know, we look at the look at the variety. I don't think on merit staying fully fit genuinely believe that Stain won't get a game. I think Ngidi is something special if he can stay fit. Uh, Rabada's Rabada. Uh, with Tahir, I, we generally have probably the best limited overs spinner. Um, I've been saying it for years. I think I've been saying it since he was still not even a South African. Uh, it's, it's, it's exciting. Um, one player that I was getting quite excited about about a year ago in these conditions was Adile Peklaquayo. Now, again, there's a guy who can probably go six seven runs and over out of nowhere but the dudes so he doesn't get a lot of credit for i think he's a fantastic thinking bowler i think he's always thinking about stuff sometimes he might try a little bit too much or he might go a bit missing mentally in the games that don't mean as much but we've seen even with bats in hand the guy's got also the big big game sort of like desire the big game want you know yeah. must understand, you must understand as well that cricket seasons are hugely long I mean, no matter what we do in life, if we do it over and over and over, we're going to have patches that are difficult. I think with the guys where they are now, you get through the anxiety of getting picked. You're in a position where you know what you can do. And I think Petla Choir on these pitches, we saw it against Sri Lanka when he bowled so well. He's going to be a great link man, I think, in this middle middle overs. I think as the guy as well where he is in his career, he knows that a big performance here can really set him up to be a proper international player. Um, so yeah, I mean, those are just really top of top of mind, top of head kind of thoughts. So I think there's a lot to be excited about. And yeah, you just mentioned our, our bowling attack, and I uh, saw an article today by Ian Chappell, uh, and he said the best bowling uh, or, or the bowling attack uh, is going to to win win it for the win the World Cup basically. Um, and he only mentioned England. Uh, Australia and India uh, as the three best uh, balanced attacks when it comes to bowling. I was quite shocked not to see South Africa there because, yeah, I think we're probably also can be thrown in the in the hat with those kind of teams. Yeah, but you've answered your own question there. I mean, you, Ian Chappell wrote <laughs> it. Of course, of course, he's going to mention those teams. 
I mean, it, it's look, it's it's okay for, for someone like that to make those comments because he's expected to do so, being part of you know the IC three. That's what those guys are all about. So you know, look after your mates and let the other guys fight for the scraps. No, I, I really think that no matter who you are, you've got to look at the balance of the South African attack. Like that Ngidi Rabada opening bowling partnership. Yeah, also a lot of guys haven't seen Ngidi, um, especially in this sort of format. They haven't played against him, but he's a dude that's just so strong and so together. Um, again, I say this while always touching wood because of his is um. Uh, sorry, that sounded horrendous. I, I say this with obviously you know like with a bit with a bit of anxiety because the guy will <laughs> drop down injuries. So I hope not. Um, yeah, I, I, I just think our, our burning attack's pretty good. And you know that Dubny's going to have like four of us here or there where he'll do all right. And I know I, I sound like a one-eyed South African fan here, and I, I sound like a fanboy talking over and over, but this is years of experience that got me to this point of being this confident. Yes, uh, I think we are when I think every Protea fan, uh, when the World Cup uh, rolls around and the heartache and that from from the last World Cup has has worn off. Uh, we kind of uh, rejuvenated, and uh, we can we think back to history and think that yeah, it, it can't be that bad again, kind of thing. Uh, yeah. So yeah, we we shall remain positive. Um, and uh, yeah, I think as well with the, the pitches here in England, uh, they probably do suit our seam attack, uh, which is quite great, and it probably. I don't think the pitches will will suit m many of the the subcontinent uh, bowling lineups, uh, which is kind of good for us. Yeah, I think England are going to be mindful of that as well. Uh, but I still don't know really what to know make what to make of this English team. I know they're the favourites, and they've got amazing kits, and they've all got amazing hairstyles, and like they're all just amazing. But I still don't know what to make of the temperament, and if they really can contain uh, a team with the ball. Sure, they've got amazing batsmen. They can score seven thousand runs, and you, know, you hear all these different things about you know if a team can score five hundred, it'll be England. Yeah, sure. Like you know, take them to some small shitty English ground with a flat track against Sri Lanka. I'm sure they could. But uh, it's in the big games of which you know the, this format is giving us loads of those. I think with the ball, they may they may struggle. And yeah, they've had six major injuries just in the last like week with your yeah, Owen Morgan. Uh, finger was dislocated, I think. Uh, yeah. Mark Wood was ankle. Uh, Joffre yeah. Arch as well. Uh, so they've they've got a few of their key players already injured, especially in their bowling attack. Which yeah, I don't think they can afford to lose too many uh, players in that department. Yeah, uh, and as, as much as cricket is an individual game played in a team setting, like these bowlers need to know how they bowl in unison, like how they bowl as a unit in certain situations. And I think if you're going to be chopping and changing or bringing in new talent, uh, you know, again, it goes into stressful games where suddenly you're going at eight and over for a few overs. You're trying to get back to basics, but you don't entirely know what those basics are at this level. And yeah, the, the, the sandpaper twins are back with uh, Steve Smith and David Warner. Uh, and yeah, Australia seemed to have turned a leaf since they came back on the side. Uh, actually performing uh do you think they are a threat uh for the world cup uh sure you know they're gonna have decent decent crowds as well because most australians go there they get drunk they knock a woman up and they stay there for ages but uh yeah i mean like they're always a good side in world cups they have just been able to do that i think they surprised many people by beating india um they, they run into this world cup's been pretty good and unlike england they haven't played that much so you know they've had to they could massage some players back in there 
uh, Warner and Smith, of course, they've, they can come back and they've been able to mentally prepare for the last year. So there's definitely some benefits in that. Um, yeah, look, I think it's annoying how Australia are always contenders. I would really love them to go through a low. There have been some lows, but uh, no, I would, I would still say that they, they're going to be there in the semis. Yeah, we're, they they played a warm-up game, uh, Australia versus England, over the weekend here in my, my local city of Southampton. Uh, and Steve Smith got uh, resounding boos uh, walking out uh, when he and after he scored a, a century as well. Good. Um, I'm all so, for it. Yeah, and he, he kind of just, oh, after he had, uh, after the innings uh, interview in that, um, he kind of just said, yeah, he was kind of prepared for it and he kind of just taking it in a stride, uh, smiling away. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I think he's going to, both of him and Dave Warner are in for uh, quite a lot of booing and uh, hatred <laughs> from crowds uh, this World Cup. Um, mm. uh, what Are there any other teams do you think that we should be looking at, uh, be mindful of, that might be like a bit of a dark horse? Uh, yeah, the dark horse thing is always quite difficult. It's like, Firstly, this is definitely the best format for the World Cup. I know you get those cricketing hipsters will say, well, what about Ireland and what about Nepal and what about South Burundi? Like, I, I don't care for that. The, the ICC needs to get a better log system together, a better structure together where teams can build into it. But when it comes to World Cup, I think we all want to see the best 10. We want to see the round robin and we want to see that happen the way it is happening this time around. Uh, when it comes to dark horses, I think Afghanistan are going to be entertaining to watch. I think they might get uh, pretty good about two wins. Pakistan is... Uh, yeah, again, like you always know they're going to be that dark horse. They used to be like what the French used to be in rugby, but they they are looking a bit flat. I think they've had a lot of cricket coming into this. Um, New Zealand is like New Zealand and New Zealand. That's just what they do. They, they, they are the dark horses. You know, they wear black. Uh they, yeah, they, they're going to be the dark horse again and again. They beat okay. India this last, yeah. They, they beat, they beat India this last weekend. I think again they've got some nice, they've got some nice variety. Um, yeah, maybe some of the stars are a bit long in the tooth, but you know if Trent Bolt can do what he did the other day, like that's a guy who can quickly get three wickets with the new ball. Yeah, he, he runs in there looking like a. Like he's just played World of Warcraft for the last twelve years inside with with no, um, you know social interaction whatsoever but the guy is a proper cricketer i think he's hugely exciting um yeah so i, I would say they'd be my, my my dark horses i don't see the west indies being the dark horses that people want them to be that's always the romantic figure of any world cup and uh yeah sri lanka look like a pile of shite they just aren't recouping they aren't regenerating their top talents um so i wouldn't expect too much from them I'm I'm going I'm yeah fortunate enough to be going to see South Africa play versus the West Indies. Um, nice. So I'm hoping the West Indies aren't just a rollover side and yeah there there is some uh, competitive game there. Um, and then looking yeah obviously the World Cup has changed its format uh, for for this one. Um, what do you think of the the format now, where basically everyone plays everyone and just the top four then make it to the semis. Well, sports about sports about big stakes, right? When there's no stakes, nobody cares. Like that last World Cup that was in the West Indies, um, or the last couple of that, like they've just been so long. It's like been on and on and on. As it is, this World Cup starts 30th of May, ends 14th of July. You tell someone who doesn't know the game too well, they're going to be like, 
why the hell is it so long? Like, can't they make it shorter? But I think this is a good format in that I think everything is look to get to the final to get the semi-finals. You've probably got to win six games to be safe, right? So there's no real chance for you to have a mess around and oh, we've made we've slipped one here, so don't worry about it. No, like everything means something, and I think when you have the ten teams the way it is now. You can still have a team like Afghanistan coming through. Bangladesh will always just be there by the fact that there's not too many other top teams. But this is perfect. And with it being... See, the thing about groups is that, you know, like when you play in a group, like from the beginning, some teams could be favored. Uh, I think where it is now, it's, it really is. There's no excuses. Everyone's got to, Everyone knows the challenge ahead of them. And I think for a fan's perspective, it is just so cool to know that you've got all those matches. There's no stupid Super 6 or whatever interim knockout something or other before we get into a final or a semi-final so it's pretty simple i think it's going to be hugely impactful and the stakes are going to be high with every game yeah it seems like it's uh gone well gone down well with uh the fans and that twist i think they said they had over three million people apply for tickets um and and yeah, obviously most matches are sold out and yeah, tickets weren't cheap for for some of them. I know the, the South Africa versus India game uh, in Southampton. Uh, I think the starting price for bronze tickets was about fifty pounds, uh, going up to about one hundred and twenty pounds, and that was sold out within, I think, a few minutes of it then being released. Um, so it, there's definitely a, a huge pull. Uh, and one of the things I was yeah looking at that was in South Africa as well. I think like with oh, I saw in the the recent T20 uh, tournament uh, that was held the provincial one uh, the crowds were quite dismal for for most games uh, that I saw uh, some highlights in that of um, and yeah what do you, it's quite a difficult one but like what do you think can be changed uh, through CSA to try get more people watching cricket because you would think especially with T20 cricket that's the most digestible form of cricket for uh, for people, the, the everyday person. Um, and if that isn't uh, receiving uh, large crowds and that, um, yeah, what hope does the, the longer format of the game have? Yeah, I think, look, here in South Africa, um, there's a general general problem with, with live live interactions, live audiences and attendances. Um, you know, it's across all sports, really. I think it's a very tough time economically, I think people don't, there's just too many options. Uh, you know, you're not getting a, a next generation that's coming through. You know, kids are gravitating towards esports and staying indoors nowadays more than going out to playing sports. And I think sports becoming quite elitist as well in certain areas. So whether kids want to take that, like, you know, if your kid doesn't want to play sports, you're not going to go to the sport because there's a very small chance that happening. Like, I, I think it's, this is a separate podcast in itself, which will take about seven hours. Um, I'm I'm fascinated by this, and I I'm quite dedicated to actually coming up with some proper solutions towards this. I've been having some interesting conversations over in the rugby side of things as well as the cricket. I think it's, it's a very complex matter. Uh, I, I promise I'm not waffling through this answer, no, but I think it's just that, that there's just way too many options out there as far as how what we do with our spare time and our spare money towards these things. I think cricket looks 
in particular needs to be packaged better. I think the Proteus do a fantastic job with it. You know, and I think the Mzanzi Super League has tremendous potential. This first season, unfortunately, people were just bad-mouthing it because South Africans are just very negative and very cynical towards things because they feel that that's a thing to be in life for some strange reason. But I think the Mzanzi Super League is is um, something that we can use to turn things around. Look, that T20 Cup, unfortunately, no one's ever going to give a toss about it because it's at the end of cricket season. Rugby season has now started. Um, they really, you really are behind, so behind in, in in the queue, and that's another reality. Like as simple as that. Like there's only so many eyeballs. There's only so many opportunities to get something done. Um, you know, Game of Thrones is kind of on. Uh, there's all kinds of other things that you want to watch and spend your time with. Like it's good it's summer. You can go play golf. Still, you can go to the beach. You can do other things. To go watch a T20 Cup with no sponsor. Yeah, that's always a hard sell. So I, I would, I would rather put my focus on, let's make the Zandi Super League amazing. Let's try things out in that, and let's package it properly, which I think they're already starting to do. You know, again, this has nothing to do with the fact that I did do some work from Zandi Super League, and I've been very open about that. But I, I'm excited about that because cities have teams again, and I think the same could be done for rugby. We need to stop this old provincial, tribal crap. And we need to market to the cities and get everyone in the city involved in, in what makes them proud of a place. Provinces mean nothing. They generally mean absolute squat. Like I don't I couldn't care if I live in Kauteng, Limpopo, Northwest, or like I don't know, Swaziland. I mean a different country, but cities are, are important things. Cities are sexier things and cities are things you can galvanize people around. Yeah. I Terri think Terrible answer, but ultimately, it's it's a lot to do. It's it's a long game. This it really is. Yeah, if you look what if if you look what Americans have done with their sports, they they've made a way in true American style to just package it. And um, you know, it's just we have to go that way. I used to be a bit of a purist, and I used to hate the way Americans do things, and we should always fight it. But that's how we compete in the world of entertainment because the world of sports, it isn't an island, you know. Unfortunately. It's part of everything else. Yeah, I think as well, yeah, you mentioned rugby. Uh, if you look at the Super Rugby attendances uh, of recent this season, especially in the South Africa uh, terms, they, they haven't been great. Um, so, like you say, there's there a need for repackaging it uh, and selling it to the public uh, in a better format, in a better way. Um, one, one of the ideas I like or is maybe taking some of these games out to uh, more, I want to say, rural places, um, obviously dependent on like Super Rugby games or where there's provincial cricket maybe is probably a better example where you can take games out to smaller grounds uh, where there's a large quantity of people that uh, can, can go and watch it uh, more readily than... Yeah, if you, if you take the example from where I'm from, Cosmo Natal, uh, if you want to go watch cricket uh, of any yeah, provincial cricket, you've got to go down to Durban. Uh, and for someone that's in, say, Escort, which is in, you know, in the middle of Cosmo Natal, uh, you've got to travel three, four hours to get to Durban kind of thing. And it's just not not feasible. Um, so why not take the cricket to the to the people kind of thing or to have I more totally games? Agree more games in Peter Maritzburg or whatever kind of thing. Um, I, I, I totally agree. It's just unfortunately the business side of things like that doesn't yeah. do anything for, for, for sweet holders in, in the big stadiums. 
it doesn't do anything for the vendors who have, to, have, have pledged to have a store there, and then suddenly you want to take games elsewhere. Hmm. So you know this this is the this is the big problem with again it's just traditionally how things have been structured in this country is that it's a big country and there's big supporting areas in these provinces you know if you go back to the whole city kind of thing you got one stadium you got one place like like english rugby they play at twickenham that's it if there's a big game there's a sellout that's it they don't have to worry about going anywhere else um I, i would love to see especially in rugby like the bulls playing you know capitalizing more on what they did when they played um at the orlando stadium that one year you know they haven't gone back since really um, why is that? Well, because if you are a Loftus and you've branded that stadium and there's a whole bunch of other things in the business world that just aren't sensible to take the, the game or anywhere else. So th- there's, there's just some real world economics that will always stop things like that happening, despite the fact that that is such a great idea. And I think people would love it and it would really do something for those teams. Well, hopefully there are some people like yourself thinking of these things uh up there in the different uh, CSAs and uh, sands on whatever and that, um, because there, there definitely has to be some for, form of change soon. Yeah, well, look, from my conversation, I can tell you this much. Um, there are a lot of people trying to do really good things in the organizations that we maybe give a hard time to, but their hands are tied with a lot of kind of, um, you know, just some some inner workings of how it works as a business. So I, I think, you know, like there are some really great people out there trying their hardest to do make small things happen. And they're all looking to innovate across the board, but it's just so damn difficult. So then, you know, you bring in the whole broadcasting picture. What happens with the broadcasters? These guys, they spend so much money. Obviously, they want control of certain things as any other business would. So there's so many different role players that want to try to change things. But there's also the role players saying, well, I'm kind of going to get what I've paid for. So no, I don't want to do that. It's it's hugely difficult, and uh, yeah, like I said, it's, it's a very different podcast. That yeah, it's quite a difficult uh, topic to get around, um, and maybe then an ending, uh, maybe putting you uh, on the knife board here with uh, who do you think is going to win the cricket World Cup? Um, oh, I I told you, South Africa's got this. Okay. You- Cock- Coco Block, no, they they got this. They they really do, and it's going to surprise. It's going to surprise them, but they're just going to be like, yeah, okay, well, not not really. Okay, well, I'll, I'll be happy with that. Um, I guess we'll find out uh, in the next month and a half uh, whether or not that comes true. I, I hope it does. Um, and then maybe, uh, where can people find you, Ben? Uh, I know you've got your own YouTube channel on that. Yeah, please go to my YouTube channel. I put so much damn effort into those videos. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh yeah, so um on YouTube at Follow the Bounce, I haven't made uh too many videos recently because I've been very busy with some work stuff. But there is a video coming soon about my trip to Ghana recently, which was very interesting. Otherwise, on Twitter at Follow the Bounce, I'm pretty most frequent on that. Uh, Instagram the Bounce, and then listen to CliffCentral.com. I'm Going forward, probably doing two shows a week there now. Uh, Monday mornings and Friday mornings, you can listen live from 6 a.m. Otherwise, just catch the podcast, which I generally tweet out anyway. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much me. Thanks for tr- coming on tonight. I uh, really appreciate uh, your sports insights. Oh, thanks for having me. Cheers. Catch you. Go ahead. Ciao.